Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the CX Cast. This is your host, Jenny Wise, and today I'm joined by Amit Bhatia, who's a senior analyst on the customer experience team here at Forrester, based in India. And today we're going to answer the question, you know, how can companies prioritize what changes to make to their strategy in response to the pandemic? So Amit, I'm thrilled to have you answer this question. This is a question that we've been getting all the time from companies. So thanks for joining today. Uh, hi, Jenny. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Like this is my first time joining this podcast. Yeah, I know. I can't believe it's the first time. <laughs> we'll have to have you hear more. So listeners, you may remember that on a past episode with Judy Weeder, we discussed how companies had changed their practices in response to the pandemic. So if you haven't heard that one and you're interested, check it out to get sort of the rundown of the different options that are available and some examples from North America that companies have done. But today we're going to continue this conversation with Amit because Amit, you have a wealth of examples from Asia Pacific. And then also, I know one of the questions from that last discussion was, so what do you do now? <laughs> right? There's a lot of options out there. How do companies prioritize what to do? And in a recent piece of research of yours, you created this prioritization framework. So we'll dive into both those examples and that framework today. So to get started, and just in case the listeners don't remember or don't listen to every single episode, <laughs> can you remind us how have different firms been responding to crisis since it hit? What are the different ways that these firms can respond? Yeah, you know, everybody speaks about this crisis, and if I can use the overused term here, it has been unprecedented, right? We've never mm -hmm. seen anything like this. As a result of this, you know, what we've been seeing is that firms have been responding to this situation the best that they can. You know, they're, they're facing uncertain cash flows, there's restriction on movement for the employees, for the customers, obviously supply chains have been disrupted. And through all of this, they've really been trying to make the best of the situation. And to understand this further, what we did was we looked at cross-section of, of companies, both B2C and B2B, and we noticed that we could slot the different responses or different kind of things that firms were doing into three broad buckets. So the first one was really about removing stress for the customers. Many firms are realizing that, hey, customers are so stressed out, there's stress in their work life, stress about jobs, stress about being furloughed, about working from home, right? Working from home can be very, very stressful as well. You have to take care sometimes of your family in a full-time sort of way with your kids or elderly folks. And even simple things like buying grocery can become very, very complicated. And obviously all this while taking care to stay away from the virus itself. So this is really firms taking cognizance of this fact that there is all this stress that, that their customers are under and that they should do something to you know, whatever they can do to, to help remove this stress. So this can take the form of, you know, reevaluating the policies, making some adjustments, changing their approach, all of those things. And it can be something simple, you know, simple, simple like changing payment terms. So that was a, the first sort of thing that we saw that companies were, were trying to do. But the second thing that we saw the companies were also doing is trying to add some benefits for their customers, say a new product or a new service, something to make life easier for their customers. And I think being helpful in times like this can really help create these loyal relationships that all firms really chase. And the third thing that we saw the companies were trying to do was trying to improve things for their partners. 
and for the larger ecosystem that they operate in and for society because you know we're we're all in this together and and firms are trying to be as helpful as they can mhm yeah those are great and i like how you just mentioned you know in the idea of adding benefits right which might seem like something that's really difficult to do right now for companies especially that are struggling but it can be so important right i'm thinking about our customer experience index mm-hmm. which shows that ease effectiveness and emotion tie into customer loyalty right and right now is such a time to sort of work on that emotion right how can we help right what are benefits that we can do to make this relationship as emotionally positive as possible so that we do maintain that long-term loyalty so you just touch on three ways to help right so removing sources of stress adding benefits that demonstrate value and sort of improving the ecosystem partner experience Right. Are there any examples of these that can serve as inspiration or perhaps as far as listeners? Yeah, so uh, we went and we we hunted down tons of examples, so this was not just me. We are more than half dozen uh, analysts in APEC and we put our heads together to try to figure out what's happening in our respective regions. Uh, I really want to call out a few that I thought stood out. I think there were financial firms for example from singapore like ocbc and then from australia we had the likes of westpac and what these guys were trying to do was really offer mortgage holidays defer loan payments lower their interest rates and even do things like share financial advice right because i think it's so critical right now people are wondering how they will be affected how their finances will be affected so how do you make do with less how do you save for the future i think these are very critical things on people's minds so we're seeing financial firms trying to respond in different ways in india we saw airtel which is a large telecom player here so what they decided to do was to extend the validity of their prepaid sim cards and they did this especially for their low income customers because they they realized that they're facing a lot of trouble india went through an extended lockdown and and a lot of people's uh, incomes were affected so what they decided to do was extend the validity of their prepaid sim cards and not only that they also decided to put in some extra talk time uh, for their customers so that uh, they could continue being in touch with their near and dear ones so that was an interesting example i saw another great one from australia coming from heritage bank and heritage bank what they did is they realized that senior citizens are very vulnerable right now and if they need service they wanted to step up and be more helpful so what they decided is they put out these special phone hotlines for the senior citizens and healthcare workers to sort of bypass queues fair price which is grocery in in singapore and fair price they did something similar that they created a fair price on wheels service which, which was essentially they had these vans giving out groceries to senior homes so that these people who have trouble stepping out too much they can actually shop more conveniently right there was something i don't know whether you've seen this in the us as well but i saw the australian broadcasting corporation they did something pretty interesting they realize that people are at home with kids to take care of and they're sort of homeschooling now for the first time many of these parents and they said okay we're going to help these parents because they're sort of in trouble they don't know how to homeschool so they started putting out free educational content right which i thought was very very interesting and then the last one that i want to highlight jenny is a great example from singapore which is from jetstar which is an which is an airline there and 
unfortunately, they had to place a lot of their crew on furlough. But what they decided is, okay, you know, we're not going to let these guys be on their own. They placed nearly half of this furloughed crew to work as Singapore clean ambassadors. Right? So they had work to do. They were getting paid for that. And their job there was to really go out and promote public health and, and social distancing. So a lot of very interesting examples that we saw across APAC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and those are such great examples. First, I love Jetstar helping its employees. That's such an amazing thing to do. And all of those examples really, especially the ones where you were talking about adding benefits, right? Of helping those customers, helping those senior citizens sort of get the food that they need. It just really shows the company values and helping their customers achieve what they need and the things that they value. So those are some really great examples. A lot of them, I was noticing, right, are focused on a very specific group, right? Right. The senior citizens, the lower income, that TV example. I know so many people who are parents out there who are looking at YouTube courses and teachers, like so much content is needed to sort of help out everyone at this time. But those are great examples that are very targeted on an audience. Right, right. So thinking about how firms and companies should do this, how do they know where where to start? Does it start with identifying that audience and then coming up with a solution sort of for that specific subset? Yeah, I think that's the first step, right? Think about who you can help, who you should be helping. Begin with a list. I think anything worthy and good that has ever happened in history began with making a list. So, you know, begin with your list, list down everybody in your ecosystem, your customer segments, your partners, your suppliers, And essentially what you're trying to do is figure out how this pandemic has affected their journey with you. You can try speaking with them. You can use journey mapping, whatever you can do. But the goal really is to figure out, given this pandemic, what are their pain points? And I want to stress here, really, when you think about prioritizing who to help, don't look at just how critical this group is to your business, but instead think about how vulnerable that group is and how badly have they been affected. So you can think about their finances, their ability to move around, their access to resources, and of course, their health issues. So I think that's a good way to start thinking about you know, who you can help. Amit, you just said one of my favorite things, which is that everything good starts with a list. <laughs> but that's true, especially right now with all of these options, right? You sort of have to do an audit of what is the state of things, of our customers, of their values, of what they're doing, right. and how do we begin to narrow it down. And I know that their sort of framework or a systematic way to prioritize who to help, we just started talking about, you know, how do you think through which customers and, and segments to help? But are there sort of additional steps or a very specific order to event that companies should apply their, their list to? Yeah, completely. Like once you figure out who you should be helping right now, I think you've got to quickly move on to thinking about the how, right? How can you help them? And I think, again, there's a structured way of thinking about how you can help different groups. I think Forrester has very good research around around this whole concept of values. You know, what are the sources of values? What are the types of values? And very quickly, I think you can think about four different kinds of value. One is simply economic in nature. You know, it's, it's related to money. It's monetary. An example could be a financial firm that is lowering its interest rates. So that's giving monetary value to a customer. The other could be functional in nature. So you could think about fulfilling a certain purpose or a need for the customer. And a quick example there would be, say, you're moving 
from cash to contactless payments. But I think some of the more interesting ones are around the value that you can deliver around the experience itself. How do you make it more experiential? And I love to talk about this one. And this is the last type of value symbolic, right? Where it's about creating meaning. And I think this really goes a long way. An interesting example that I found here was allowing customers to donate their loyalty points. And if you donate your loyalty points, and then the firm can, can then do something with it. And this is where customers receive value through the satisfaction of actually doing something good. And then on the flip side, the, the firm can also write off those loyalty points from, from their books, right? That is a liability for them. Uh, they can write that off and, and they can actually, those loyalty points get used for good. So one thing listening to these examples that comes to mind, and I hate to take it here because a lot of these examples are just companies doing the right thing and helping people, but companies are going to have to make an investment in a lot of these experiences. And they want to know that it's going to ultimately help them. And we know that it will, right? A lot of them will help keep them afloat during these times and set them up for long-term success. But how can companies really think through, right? Is this worth it, right? And how can they make sure that this will set both them and the customer up for success in the long term? You know, and that example that you shared, that symbolic example of donating loyalty points, Right. That was a great example where it both helped the company's finances and the customer. And then I also love that functional example of moving from cash to contactless, you know, possibly because I'm partial to emerging technology examples and shifts due to my research. But it also showed that companies don't have to fundamentally change right, a service or policy. Right? Instead, they can just think about how people are interacting differently and how they could just roll out a new feature or provide some new guidance to let users still achieve their goals, even though they have to do so in a different way, right? And by doing this, it's both sort of helping the business because customers are still able to interact, and it's helping you also sort of retain that customer relationship. And is also is something that you can benefit from in the long term as well. Sort of that investment in that feature or function. Yeah, yeah. And completely. And that's the way it should be, right? You don't want to do anything to the firm's detriment, right? You want to be careful about helping as only as much as you can. And I think if you give structure to the exercise, then then you can figure out what can you do and how do you make sure that it's not hurting the firm. Right. Yeah, because I do sometimes think that the message sounds almost like appease your customers now, even if it is at your detriment for sort of long-term benefit, I think is the case for some companies, but it doesn't have to be that case, right? So there can be a business case for doing this as well. I think this actually goes into sort of one of the next steps that you have here, right? So you first think about what segment are you going to be looking at? What customers? What is the value that you provide? And once you have the ideas, you move into prioritization. Is that right? That is true. That is true, right? You want to make sure that once you figure out who and, and the how, then you have, say, maybe 15 different things that you can do. And obviously, before you do them, you want to think your way through this. What is the you know, impact going to be? And even before thinking about the impact, I think it's important to think about what is the feasibility of doing this? Like, do you even have the people and resources to pull this off? Right. Do your team's have the will to do this, right? If you, you can't come up with, with something and then realize that nobody's really willing to make that change on your team. So I think begin with the feasibility. Think about the impact on the customers. What is this really going to change for them? Will it make 
things easier for them, will help them feel more positive, and also how many of them will get affected. If it's a really, really tiny group that you end up helping, maybe you should be looking at, can we do good on a, on a bigger sphere? Can, can we impact a bigger number of customers? So that's one thing, right? Thinking about the impact on the customers. But again, and this goes back to what we were just saying a couple of minutes back, what is the potential business impact? There's going to be a cost of doing this. How is it going to hit your books? Is it going to improve your revenues? If not your revenues, is it going to advance your business strategy in, in some way? Will it help you deliver on your brand promise? I think, I think it's really important to think through these things before taking action. And the last one I want to point out is risk. You can't jump into something without analyzing the risk. For example, if you're suddenly manufacturing hand sanitizer instead of whiskey, which, by the way, one Australian firm actually did, they made that switch. Do you know the compliance around doing something like that? So I think, I think it's important to be aware of the risks there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great, a great point and a great example, too. <laughs> I love that example. I hadn't heard, heard that one before. So that's great. So companies have a few things to think about. What is the customer impact, the business impact, the feasibility, and the risk? And that can help with deciding what to do in the short term. But there is, of course, that long-term view to this. So do you have any thoughts on how firms should be thinking about the long-term view to this? Are these changes that they will be planning to keep? Are they test and learning new products and services for the future? Is there sort of any long-term advice or guidance that you give to companies? Yeah, I think for the long term, I would say yes. I think these are trying times for everybody, right? We're in a crisis. And like they say, a crisis reveals character. So as a firm, how are you going to respond to this? To your customers and your partners, it, it will reveal your firm's character, your intent. And like I said before, you know, people are going to remember what you did or didn't do. And we think about, about loyalty and everybody's trying to chase this thing, right? I think now is the time really to build all of that. So as you're working through your recovery and hopefully in touch with your CFO and you're trying to figure things out for your firm, I think it's also important to remember to be empathetic to those around you, your customers, your partners, be more flexible with the policies that you currently have, right? Review them, figure out what you can change right now. And I think very, very important here is that if your circumstances don't permit it, that's fine. But I think what's, what's important to do is to be transparent about what you can and you cannot do. I think people get it, right? People get that if a firm is in a certain kind of situation, then they may it, it may not be possible for them to make certain changes, but that's fine. I think that the important thing is to be transparent about it. I think transparency goes a really long way in earning trust. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a great point. You know, transparency is really important. And I think we've especially seen that over the past you know, few months, and we've talked about this on some episodes, right? When companies are making changes to you know, their, their employees, right? Or when they're making changes to their products and services, the more transparent they were about those changes and sort of why they had to be done uh, made customers feel more sort of okay about what was happening and continuing to sort of work with that company. And also what you mentioned too, so one of my hopes that coming out of this, right? Everyone just thinks about the customer more and their experience. But you just touched on a few things, right? Can, will companies be more adaptive, right? More flexible, more empathetic, right? Understand the values of their customers more. 
I think there's a real opportunity for this to be a time to to begin to focus on that. It is. It is. Well, Amit, thank you so much for joining today. This was a great conversation, a lot of really great examples that I know I hadn't heard before to have on the radar. And also that prioritization framework, right? Starting with who in your ecosystem is a segment you might want to attract, thinking about the type of value you provide, tapping onto those four different types, and then making sure that you really prioritize effectively. Absolutely. Not to forget the lists, right? It's all about the lists. Yes. And start with a list. <laughs> Number one piece of advice, make a list. <laughs> anything, anything that you do. Well, Abit, that was great. Thank you so much for joining. So listeners, if you want to know more, check out the show notes to find a link to the report that we mentioned during this episode called A Framework for Helping Customers in Crisis. Thank you for listening and talk to you next week.